0: Abhi Yahweh, this your day, thank you yet again, Father God, for your grace and your mercy in leading me this day and an opportunity to be your conduit, Father God. Abhi Yahweh aman, Yeshua aman, parakitos aman. Father, that you bless the reading of whatever scriptures that I share for them that have been here, Father. Abba Yahweh aman. So... Today is a day after the celebration of what Mammon has decided was Easter, and as close as they can get to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it's a day that... I think it's very important for us. And of course, I'm certain that there will be some that will get their knickers in the twist, as they probably often do when I call them lazy and slothful for not getting up and doing our father's business. But that's exactly what the Bible calls them. Paul writes about it. Don't be slothful and lazy in the sharing of the gospel. It's in the Bible. It's a truth. And remember this too. Take this to heart. That when Jesus spoke in the, in the book of Luke, And he gave disciples authority for certain things. And he told them to go in and share. He was not talking to just those 12 that were standing in front of him. He was talking to me. He was talking to you. If you claim to be a Christian, you declare yourself a Christian and yet you won't do our father's business, our heavenly father, the requirement of him for us to share the gospel and give everyone an opportunity, then you are lazy and slothful when it comes to our Father's will. It's exactly what the word says. Get offended by it, then get in front of the mirror and get the Bible in your hand and start reading and see what the word says about it. I'm not just gonna spout emptiness. I'm not gonna spout empty words to you. I speak truth. I told you that already. If you have a problem with that, then you need to have a conversation with our Father. Don't have a conversation with me and don't make your problem my problem. Go to the Father, pray his healing and forgiveness and ask him to strengthen you so that you can get over that. I do. I pray for you and I pray for my weakness. I give my weakness to him and his strength. That's what we must do. But don't just sit there and say, well, that's offensive. I'm offended. I don't know who he thinks he is. He doesn't even have a degree. Well, yada, yada, yada. No, I have a heaven-sent university certificate, and it's signed by my God. My Father God in heaven gave me validation, and that's the only validation I, don't, I need. I don't need yours. I don't need that of some fancy-schmancy university here on this earth. My father has given me that authority. I don't need an earthly born doctorate. In fact, I don't need a doctorate at all because the Holy Spirit leads me in truth. Now, as I've shared with you, I honor those individuals that claim that, but when they take that title and they try to shove it down your throat and make sure that you understand that they have that degree, you're already aware of it. The people already knew who the Pharisees were. They could tell because of the way they dressed. But they still had to shove that authority that they had down people's throats. Really? Was that necessary? People already recognized who you were and the authority that you claimed to have. And they were willing to acquiesce to your desire as a Pharisee. So are you... Practicing Phariseeism now? You declare to be something and then you don't act like it? Well, if that bothers you and that chaps your hide and gets you all offended, then you need to really examine what you're complaining about. And you need to get in the word and be in the word of God and seek his guidance, his strength, and his forgiveness. Because what I've been told in growing up by earthly parents and leaders is that if you're becoming so offended by something that is said or done, then possibly the reality is that the offense is actually inside you and they're bringing it to your attention because you choose to ignore it and then yet you become offended by everything and anything around you. So that's actually festering inside of yourself. The Toklat people also declare that thing. And I go to this because I'm, I just read something, it was shared by uh, one, of my, one of my teachers, one of my several teachers that I really enjoy studying with. And what he is sharing was a little story about a mother whose son was killed on his mission, in his mission field. And when the pastor had to come and tell her, I think her response kind of threw him into something he was not expecting. So he came to tell this mother who he kept visiting with and making reports on on her son, and she was very pleased in that. But then he came to tell her that her son had been killed. And it surprised him because she, she told him that she preferred that her son would die out in the Sudan alone in the mission field than to be back in this country here disobeying God's will. And her value was placed higher <clears throat> in her son's obedience to the Heavenly Father than her own personal preference. Her preference would have been, yes, her son to be there close at hand. Do you understand? Are you listening with spiritual hearing or are you just just listening? Listen, lean in and listen. Her preference would have been to have her son here. That would have been something more preferable. But her delight was in the fact that her son was obeying our heavenly Father. And here's the thing too. And this jumps right into uh, jumps right into what Jesus was doing. And let's share first in Paul's letter in the Philippians. to the humbleness of Jesus Christ and this is what we are to be also look in Philippians chapter 2 beginning of verse 4 no actually I'm going to start at the beginning that's a good place to begin first step, start at the first verse. If there be for there any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Meaning that everyone else should be more important than self. Except that there are many that profess Christianity and are very selfish. Their time is more important. They don't have time for anyone else. Their things are more important. No, I'm sorry, I can't come to help you. I have to take care of this and this and thus and thus. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I have to get things at the house ready because so-and-so is coming and I need to be there to make sure that everything is correct. Okay, Martha, you go ahead and do that. You take care of everything else that needs to be done, except those things that are important. Like being at Jesus' feet and listening to what he has to say. even the death of the cross. So he obeyed his father's will. He obeyed what God told him. And you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying in Gethsemane because he knew what was coming. He knew and his prayers were so fervent that it burst the capillaries in his face and his brow. And he bled when he prayed. And he was so, I mean, this was a very overwhelming situation for anyone to be in. And yet, the son of God, everything consisted of him. He was with God from the beginning. But having come to this plane of existence as a man, and taking on that persona, and being as a man here on this earth. See, so many get confused. They think Jesus came and nothing took place until it came right up until the crucifixion of the cross. He was a man. Yes, the son of God, but on this plane of existence, he was a man. He could trip and fall and get hurt. He could smash his thumb with a hammer when he was doing the craftsman thing that he did while he was here. And not as a young man under tutelage of his father. He went out and he met people. He helped people. He did things. He built things. He repaired things. Jesus Christ was here as a man. And some people um, use this term. It's more for a a butler, but uh, they used to call him a man's man. But Jesus was a man's man, a people person. And, as described in the Bible, he was not so overt in appearance that he would stand out. He was pretty simple and he was plain, and he came in and and many people paid him no money. He just moved about with the people, and he would do these reparations and things. and But that was what Jesus was. and he when he went into Gethsemane, he he knew what he had to do. He didn't want to do it. Goodness gracious, as a man, he was, it was frightening. And the prayer in the garden, there's a a couple places where they talk about it in the Bible. And probably Matthew's rendition is... um, is kind of my favorite. So Jesus was praying in the garden. And as I said, he broke capillaries and he began to bleed from his prayers. He was so fervent and he was so intense in his prayers that he burst those. He was sweating and he was praying. What was on his mind? What was he thinking in doing that? He was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. And he was praying these things. And this was also, if you remember, this was a time and he had conversation with Peter they had several conversations. So they were in Gethsemane and they were praying and he told them to sit down and he said he's got to go off by himself and pray. So, Peter stayed, James and John, the sons of Zebedee who were also called when he called Peter. And they were saddened and they sat down. They were praying. And Jesus also told them that his heart was sorrowful and heavy and that they should stay and he'd go off and pray. And he went a little farther and he fell on his face and he was saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then in the same breath, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And this is when he came and he found his disciples asleep. He chastised them a little. Could you stay awake with me just for the time that I had to be here in prayer? Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, Father. Yahweh, Ammon. He went away again in the second time and prayed and saying, "O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, they will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples, and he said unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Then he woke them, and he said, Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he was yet speaking, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the temple, and now that he betrayed him, gave them a sign saying, Whomever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And when Peter had cut off the horn, it says in the scripture, it says that one stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant on the, cut off the ear. But Jesus healed that. And Jesus rebuked and said, put up again thy sword and into this place where all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? So even under attack, Jesus was in the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that we share the gospel of his truth, And Jesus Christ, that all would have an opportunity to repent and be saved. That all would have the opportunity to be saved and redeemed and go to heaven. And yet, there are those that refuse that. They refuse to do that thing that the Lord has asked us to do because they don't have time. They have to do this and this and thus and thus. And 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 they have a speech impediment. They, they get embarrassed in front of people. And so many things that they have to get done other than what God has asked them to do in return. <clears throat> for something that cannot be paid for no matter how many lifetimes, And no matter what the payment is that you might receive, even if it's in the thousands of dollars each and every hour, the multi-thousands of dollars each and every hour that you do this thing, you would not make enough to repay the fact that Jesus Christ, the anointed of God, came to this earth as a man, child, Humbly born in a stable, laid in a manger, and wrapped in cloth that was used to help birth troubled lambs, and walked the face of this earth, teaching, loving. What was he thinking about me and about you? You can't make enough to pay that back. He stepped off his throne. And do you think any amount that could be made by anything that we do on this plane of existence could repay that? He has a treasury that is filled with silver and gold and gems and jewels. And every time I sweep a shelf and fill my basket to bring it out and share, it just refills again. So you think that there's anything that you can make to repay that? The only thing that God has asked is that we share the gospel. That everyone have an opportunity. And yet, there are those that think that they have to repay some other way. It's not the physicality of the treasure returned. It's the treasury of the character of your heart. Where is your heart? Very simple question, actually. If you get your knickers in a twist and get all knotted and bunched up, then you really need to get some serious time with God. And you need to get some serious conversation in. You decide that you want to be offended by someone who has his validation already and declare yourself to be violated by someone speaking the truth? And as basically, as Jesus said, of course, I'm going to paraphrase it and put it in my terms. Get over yourself. But he told the Pharisees the same thing. Get over yourself. Every single person has the opportunity to share the gospel if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, faith believer in God the Father, and having the Holy Spirit guide your steps. And every single person that has not made the decision, has God's wanting them to hear and have the opportunity and have the choice to be made, that we give them that choice. And there are many that have not even heard the gospel, never had the chance. No one's ever spoke it to them. No one has ever shared it with them. So we are called to do that. And you would think that even in this country, there are many that have never had anyone talk to them about God. I've shared with you that young lady who came when I had the fellow employee. I was transporting him to, back to the office in the evening. And when she went to get off, she was weeping, heavily weeping, and pulled down her face mask and just shared that she had been praying for God to send her a word. She had been praying that God would say something to her. And she had been overhearing our conversation about the Lord. And when she got off and she took down her mask and just turned and said, you know, I needed you here. You were sent to me. I'd been praying for that word. And you brought me what I asked for. I've shared this with you several times before. You don't know or have any idea if you are going to be the intended message. So how dare you to deny carrying that that God has willed you to do? And you deny it. How can you do that? How can you make the decision that, oh, I can't do that. I have a lisp. I have a hair lip. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to this. They're going to do that. You may be carrying that very word that God needs you to take to someone. And yet you refuse to do it. Come on. That's strength. Be bold. Be courageous. Be upright in righteousness. And share his name, share his word, share his message, share his truth, share the love. I tell you, I, I pray every day, my going out, my coming in, your strength, your uprightness, your courage to be bold in this. Step out, step forward. Do that thing that God has asked us to do. Remember, too, though, that God has given everyone a free will choice. He created us that way. He didn't want us to be robotic. So if you choose not to do what God has asked you to do, and you choose to disobey his will, and you choose not to share what was given to you so that you could be saved, and you're selfishly hoarding that, because that's what it is. You're hoarding that for yourself. I got mine. They need to work on theirs. No, you need to help them work on theirs. And if you are out there sharing the word and being upright, bold, courageous, and righteous, it does. either way, you're in my prayers every day, my going out and coming in. To be bold, be upright, courageous, truthful, not stepping down in cowardice, not stepping aside in acquiescence to and bending to the will of those, if they're not acting righteously and they are sinful, don't step aside in cowardice. Don't acquiesce to their, I've shared it with you already that that pastor shared righteous, bold truth and it was truth. It wasn't something that he was making up. It was straight out of the scriptures. It was from the word of God. And then because of their He was concerned more for their validation than the validation of God for him doing the right and righteous thing, sharing the truth. He bent. He stepped down as a coward, then he stepped aside in surrender. And he said, well, I shouldn't have put it that way. I shouldn't have said, wait a second, what are you saying? How should you have said God's truth? If God had wanted you to say it a different way, do you not think that the Holy Spirit would have guided you there? That's why I have no problem in in speaking the way I do, because if God desires me not to share it in the way that I do, he tells me, and the Holy Spirit will shut it down. He hasn't. So I walk boldly forward and step out more. And if I step on your toes while you got them hanging out in the pathway, then that's, don't make your problem my problem. Quite simple, actually. I speak the truth. I speak boldly. I speak righteously. I'm not going to make things up and I'm not going to tell you just to please myself because it's not about me. This is about the opportunity for others to be saved. For anyone who's hearing has not Accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a very simple process. Father, God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name because I heard the word that I can, I can do this. All I have to do is ask that Jesus come into my life and change my heart, change my life. I have things that I do, I have things that I said, but your forgiveness. And God, I pray that forgiveness. And I want you to be in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom, done. That's all it takes. No big fancy thing. You don't have to have an organ playing in the background. You don't have to have the church pianist playing something in the background. You don't have to have the big tambourines and banners flying, there's some churches that do that. And that's okay too. They're really rejoicing in the fact that you're coming forward to be saved. And in heaven, you think that the churches are doing something fanciful? You've got no idea. It says that the angels in heaven rejoice mightily in the return of the prodigal. And that's what each man and woman that is out there in the world that are doing their own thing or have left the church for some reason or another and are doing their own thing. When they return, they repent, they take Jesus, they rejoice in heaven. Can you imagine what the parties in heaven are like? The festivities that go on there, that there are capabilities of instrumentation that you've never heard. The colors are brighter. The greens are greener. The flowers are brighter color. And that they're out there in this open, fresh, beautiful surroundings and all your loved ones are there gathered and they're, they're hollering and they're, they're praying and worshiping and thanking the Lord that you have come. Huh? You've got no idea. And if you refuse to help that take place, then you really have no idea. My prayers are with you on my going out, my coming in every day your strength, your uprightness, your boldness, your courage in the word of God. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Zariah, they stood upright, boldly courageous. They did not step down in cowardice. They did not step aside in surrender. They were not confrontational. They just boldly spoke the truth. No matter your golden statue, we will not kneel and pray to it or to you. We will not give sway from our faith in our God and our Lord who takes care of us. You put us in the lion's den, doesn't matter. Maybe God's creation, the lions, they were hungry and God wanted me to feed them. However, the Lord stayed the lions. He shut their mouths. And they laid down and slept with Daniel. Daniel just sat down in prayer and was talking to God. He wasn't fearful. I'm I'm sure that he was afraid, but he wasn't fearful. He wasn't crying out and none of those things that Nebuchadnezzar expected to happen. None of those things that the king was expecting. Belshazzar came down to the lion's den and was sorrowful. Sorrowful because he had been misled and he actually liked Daniel. But those counselors that lied about Daniel, they got thrown into the lion's den and they were saying, oh, he must have had his friends come down and feed the lions before we put him in there. So they're full. Of course they wouldn't have met him. They ate already. Except that when they were put in there, the lions fell immediately on them and rent them. Meaning that they got tore up by the lions, and they were devoured. So that little fallacy was proved to be in error. The lions weren't fed ahead of his being put in. And then you have the three put into the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar had a throne that was there on the wide, open side of the furnace so he could watch them burn and the declaration of the Spirit of the Son of God that was present manifested itself in the furnace. Did we not throw three men in the furnace? Then tell me why there is a fourth, and he is like unto the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar had probably heard some speaking of those four young men at times, but he had no direct personal knowledge and teaching of Jesus after all. Jesus hadn't come into the world yet. This was in the Old Testament. Daniel the prophet had spoken of the birth of the Son of God. He had prophesied on it, but Nebuchadnezzar had no knowledge of this. He had no knowledge or image of the Son of God. Neither had Joshua when he met him. And yet, they knew because of the authority that preceded Jesus, just like the demons in the field of the tombs when the man came out ranting and raving and Jesus came, and they just said he hadn't been introduced nobody said demons Jesus Jesus the demons are in this guy didn't need to Jesus walked right straight up to it and they said Jesus thou son of God what have thou to do with us did you come to destroy us and Jesus said be gone leave this man and they fled into the swine Ran amuck and ran into the ocean. And the man was cleansed. Man was cleansed. All the time that Jesus was walking on the face of this earth, what was he thinking? About me? About you. And I'm sure that all the times that he went off and he left the disciples, because quite honestly, in reading the scriptures and being, I could see that Jesus would, would rather than losing patience and just making them so they couldn't speak, he went off and he had time on his own so he could pray and meditate on the will of the Father. And then he could be around other people. Jesus didn't just walk around with the disciples and walk around and do his own thing, Jesus was out meeting people. And it was difficult to do, especially when you had an individual like Peter and big James and, and his brother were around because they were they were pretty aggressive at times and they were very standing between thinking that the Son of God had to be protected all the time. Do you not suppose that in that walk that God could have had and did have protection and if he chose to be more that way rather than walking with his entourage of men do you not think that his entourage of angels would have better suited him if he called them but he never did he desired to be with us what was he thinking about me about you And when it was come time for him to hang on the cross and be crucified, what could he possibly have been thinking? That the will of the Father be done. He didn't want to hang on the cross and die. He expressed that. As a man, he expressed the thing that he was was afraid of. He wasn't fearful, because if he was fearful, he would have run off. He was afraid. He didn't want to hang on that cross and die. But in the same breath, that he declared that, he also said, not my will, but thine be done, Father. If this is the will of my Father, I will go to that cross. What was he thinking about me? About you? He was thinking of us. Gave up his station as the Son of God gave up his throne, comfortable place, beautiful place, and all the things that were just so beautiful and wonderful, and the birds' songs were so vibrant, and the colors so bright, and loved ones gathering all the time, praise and worship. And yet, he said, I will took off his crown set it on the throne said your will father I'll go and you'll raise me and I'll come back into your hands I commend my spirit not only when he left this plane of existence but when he left that plane of existence he declared both things thy will be done into your hands I commend my spirit and he came Humbly born, as a man-child, born in a stable, laying in a manger. Walked, taught, healed, rebuked, spat on, rocks thrown at, vinegar to drink, hanging on this crude, hewn wooden obelisk large spikes driven through his hands and feet that he would hang there, not tied, as was the practice in crucifixion, and that the Romans would come and break his legs so that he would fall and slump and suffocate, which was also the common practice. But yet the prophets declared that not a bone in his body would be broken, His was, side was pierced so that they saw that the fluid came out and he was indeed declared dead. He had the spikes were driven through and he had those scars. And yet, still, even having been crucified, his concern was with his disciples and their fearfulness because they had gone in and locked themselves away for fear of the Jewry that was coming and hunting them and their destruction. But he came and he said, Peace, be still. My peace I bring and give to you, not as the peace of this world, for I came and I conquered this world, but my peace give I unto you. And then he left, still thinking of others still caring for others. What was he thinking about me, about you? Brothers and sisters, you have a good day. It's a beautiful day. And you are in my prayers on my going out and coming in. If you have aught to say about this truth that I have shared, then you need to be in prayer you need to be in front of the Lord and you need to be seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And if you so readily become offended by truth, yes, then you need to examine. And it's self-examination required. Look to that truth. And I've shared with you time and time again, try my spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you not to listen to me anymore, then don't. But I'm here telling you that I believe and my faith tells me that that's not going to happen. Because what I speak is the truth of God, from the Word of God. This is not for my vainglory, my uplifting of myself over anyone else. But simply the truth from the Word of God, as it's given to me by the Holy Spirit to do my Father's business. Have a good day.